The year 2020 has been a year of change. Global changes have included COVID-19 pandemic which has resulted in us all having to change our ways, especially with traveling on a global scale. Cutting down air traffic has bound many to their place when the regulations came. The world is not as small or open anymore as it used to be. On a regional scale, there have been wildfires and other natural catastrophes. In societies, some people have demanded rights that they should have by default, more visibly than in years, and there have been demonstrations and confrontations in many places around the world. Individually, people have also gone through changes. Some have lost or quit their job, some found a new one. Some have faced economic challenges and some have overcome them. Relatives, family members and friends have passed away and babies have been born. Relationships have been broken and new have been formed. We haven't been able to see some people important to us physically, but we've been able to connect to them and many others via technology. Children have had to do learning outside of school context and stay away from their important social groups. Adults have had to learn working from home, some meanwhile helping their children in education. We all have faced changes of some kind this year, big or small. We face changes normally also, but this year it has been more rapid, more serious and more visible, and more in number and ways. My name is Jani Kontkanen and you are listening to Mitä Pelataan podcast. This series is called Paragons of Change. It's a series of interviews with people from board gaming sphere whom I've noticed going through changes in recent times. We talk about change and what they have changed in their lives. By default, we do not claim we state facts. We only talk from our own points of view and our opinions. As the discussion might take a negative note at times, we try to finish with a positive by giving you a top 9 list of games. The topic of the list has been chosen by the guest and we will have a battle of the lists after the episode airs in my social media channels. You, dear listener, are encouraged to comment and vote on the lists to see which one of us did better. The award is pride and fame among the small listener base this podcast has. Now, let's invite our paragon for today. In this Paragons of Change series, we have the second paragon today. Welcome, Mark. Hi. Uh, who are you? <laughs> And what, what do you do or... How do you exist? <laughs> Not how do you exist, but what do you do in the board game world? Uh, sure, um, I do a few different things. Um, I um, I run Aircon, which I think we'll probably chat a bit about today. I, I was mm-hmm. one of the founders. The first um, Aircon was held in my house about five five years ago, six years ago, something like mm-hmm. that. And then, uh, sort of about. This time last year, I was working for a company called Hush Hush Projects, who published mm-hmm. Fog of Love. Um, that ended earlier this year in April time, um, and then I just started last month working for PSC Games, and so they publish games like Blitzkrieg, um, Roman Roll, some of the regular, some of the things that they're probably known best for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're they're probably the two biggest things. I also am one of the admins for Board Game Trading and Chat UK, which is one of the biggest UK board game groups few different uh-huh. things that's interesting we get into more detail a bit later but um this year has been a bit strange yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, globally and locally also and 
also related to board games. Mm. How um, has the changes and corona and all these things been visible in where you live? Oh, it's certainly where we live. We have um, I live in Leeds, which is up in the um, north of the UK. Uh, we had a very, very vibrant kind of board game scene. Loads of clubs, loads of people meeting uh, regularly to play games, and all of that has just had to stop. Um, and so, for me personally, that was the main source of my gaming was going to these various groups, but also having people over here to game. And so, my gaming has just dropped right off personally um in terms of just day-to-day stuff it's it's kind of gone a bit back to normal apart people are keeping their distance you have the masks on and stuff um but it's just we can't see friends and family things like that is 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 what's kind of the biggest changes i think now how, how is the situation there now compared to the earlier is it getting better or worse or just staying the same or yeah so uh the saying that in the UK in general it's getting worse while I am in Leeds we've just gone into a what they're calling these local lockdowns so that they, mm. they'll just go for a certain city or a certain area and uh, kind of put people back into lockdown but it's not like the first lockdown where you know you couldn't even really leave the house or leave your garden um, it just means that we can't have friends and family over into the house or into our garden um, mm. we can still go to the pub <laughs> we can <laughs> of course you can. yeah <laughs> and if we if we happen to meet our friends there, that's okay. So it's you know it's a little bit funny. Um, yeah. I think the general mood is that people are just a bit fed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like when it was summer, or you know, even earlier in the year. I mean, it was there was obviously some fear, and it was a bit like we didn't know what was going on. But there was this kind mm-hmm. of side of it that was like a bit more like novelty. Um, yeah. where it's kind of interesting like this was just something very different that we hadn't really experienced before um, but now I think the thought of kind of going into winter and having to maybe go through all of that again I think is is really getting to people and they're just just a bit fed up of it I think I, I think that maybe there shouldn't have been that loose restrictions in the summer because mm-hmm. at least here it, we were doing very well in July and now we are almost at April's levels And then we had a lockdown. Now we are not even thinking of a lockdown. So we'll have a horrible Christmas this year. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, I think I think one of the hardest things here is just the confusion. I think a lot of people just don't know the rules are changing so often, and because of these local lockdowns, even with the UK being you know sort of four separate countries, um, each country has its own rules, and then because of the local lockdowns certain cities or certain areas have their own rules and i think and it can change week to week they sort of every friday they're doing a new announcement sometimes there's new rules sometimes there's not they just brought in this thing where pubs have to shut at 10 um last mm. week um and i think people are, are probably a little bit confused about what's going on and i think that's maybe causing some of the the sort of unrest <laughs> among amongst mm. people in general Yeah, we're getting the restrictions for pubs next week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a funny thing because I remember when, so I used to work in a bar many years ago, um, and I remember when they brought in more late licenses here in the UK. So eleven is is generally the norm, but they started mm. granting more of these late licenses, which meant people could kick out at midnight or one or two or three in the morning. And part of the reason they said that was to sort of spread people coming out. Um, so. Mm-hmm 
not everybody was coming out into the street at the same time and all drunk and all fighting. And so it's kind of funny that we've now gone back to this point where it's like everybody is now suddenly back in the streets or in the supermarkets at the same time. Yeah. So. Yeah. People forgot how it was in the spring. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. What do you think about change in general? Yeah, I think I'm pr- pretty open to change myself. Um, I'm quite a quite a big advocate for it as long as it's as long as there's a good reason to. I think you know if I can get my head around that there's a good reason for a change or mm. um, things like that, I'm I usually one of the first to jump on board. I'm I'm fine with it. Um, yeah, to the point where I'd say sometimes I'm maybe certain in certain roles that I've been in the past, I've probably been too quick to change and kind of forgotten mm. that some people don't like change and kind of be like, yeah, let's just go for it. <laughs> and forgot to kind of bring people along with me. Um, so, so yeah, I've, I'm a fan of it. It doesn't really phase me that much. Um, I think my childhood was spent moving around a lot. So I was born in Germany Um to mm-hmm. my both my parents were in the, the armed forces um mm-hmm. and then we had to move every two years and they did that until i was until i went to high school which is you know when i was 12 11 12 so i'd always kind of and like every time you wouldn't always move with the same people i'd move with i'd have to make new friends very quickly each time when we moved so i kind of think that i was always just used to change and that, that's how it came about i think so it doesn't it doesn't phase me all right um, how about change on a global scale? Do you think there is something happening currently? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's hard not to look back over the last few years, and I think even, um, you know, the biggest thing is just I think people are becoming more and more polarized, which is yeah. which is an unsettling change, which is one that I, you know I don't think is good. I agree. I think people are getting more extreme on. I don't want to even say both sides of the political spectrum. I don't think it's just a line anymore. I think it's like a star with people going out in all different directions and or a circle. Yeah, or something. I don't know where people are just getting further and further apart from each other and can't see common ground. It's just like people are getting so entrenched in their own viewpoints. Um mm. and it's just a real shame, you know, like and it has happened in the past, of course it has, but yeah. you know, it's just it's just a shame to see it in this in this kind of modern world and um, some of these more extreme points of view being given as much airtime as <laughs> sort of more moderate points of view, I suppose, um, because of, I guess it's because of globalization and things like people just being able to find other people that have these same sorts of viewpoints and finding a voice that way. Um, whereas before, I guess you would have expressed things to your friends locally and they probably would have said like, Oh, shut up that's stupid <laughs> mm. whereas now yeah. you can go on the internet and find somebody else that thinks the same thing as you and you kind of get together and go yay we you know this point of view is valid um and yeah just... if someone agrees it's valid yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's very visible in twitter i suppose oh yeah i try and stay off twitter <laughs> i fight yeah. it fight it quite hard work um, yeah it's usually that nothing positive comes from there but yeah, yeah, yeah it's, that's true. It's good to follow sometimes, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's good, good for connecting to other people, kind of in yeah. in in the hobby. Um, it's yes. not something I would use to voice my opinions on a subject because I just don't think 
you can do it eloquently enough, even though they doubled the character count you know, a couple <laughs> yeah. of years ago. It, I still don't think it's enough to be able to get the subtleties of a of how you might think about something and and people sort of just jump on the very first thing that you put out every time. So yeah, I think it's challenging. That's true. They only read a few sentences and that's it. Yeah. And <laughs> exactly. if it's too long, they don't read. So <laughs> it doesn't really matter what you write. Um, do you think change is always good or can it be bad? Oh, definitely. Mm. I definitely think it can be bad. Yeah. Um, or, or is it situational? Is it up to the situation? Um, you said that you are up for change and you like change and you're used to it and hmm. you're even too eager to jump <laughs> to some changes. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, it's it's situational. I think I think there sometimes there can be a good reason for change or there can be a good motivation for change, hmm. but it can be not carried out well. Um, this is if if somebody is someone or a group of people are trying to change something um if it's not carried out well the change can become bad um so there's you know something in the in the method of of how you go about change um and certainly mm. in the world you know like sort of changes that are a bit more out of our control kind of what we were talking about before um i certainly think there's you know bad change like i think at the point where people are getting so polarized that they can't talk to each other or you know even within members of the family or friends that used to be able to talk to each other now they can't because of because their views have become so extreme of course i think mm. that's that's bad i think you know i think it's 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 better to try and come together on things rather than um just everyone splinter off into different directions um so i think of course yeah of course change can be bad i think but even sometimes i would say the opposite of what i said before i think um something can initially initially seem like a bad change but it can be turned around or you make the best of it and it can become a good thing now that's actually well put you already said in the beginning about you changing the job and such yeah and you were working for hasas project and now you are at plastic soldier company yeah if i opened that psc Yeah. To someone who necessarily doesn't know, uh, how does it feel to go from this fog of love thing to playing with the soldiers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty different. Um, I think it's a very different pace of work, um, and I think you know, f- fog of love. I guess you know there was the good game. Uh, but it was just the one game that Hush Hush had, and mm. um, we were working on a new one. But it was all sort of uh, the work was not slow, but it was you know a, a, a slower pace. Certainly, I'd say that, um, mm-hmm. and it was much more iterative, and you kind of go through all these different changes. Um, whereas at PSC, um, it's there's just a lot going on. I think I am currently managing about thirteen different projects wow, or games um, too many. that are at various stages of they coming to release or not um, mm. um but i actually like that i like having lots of different things and you know keeping things interesting so you don't get bored at least i think oh definitely not <laughs> no there's plenty going on um and i think their kind of philosophy is they'd rather try something and it not work out than just not try it in the first place which i think is mm. great you know as long as you can afford to do that i guess <laughs> yeah yeah of course 
Yeah. BS, BSC is quite hot, so to say, okay. yeah. current, currently. At least I get that feeling that they're mm. coming up now with the more board games. Yeah. Like this Blitzkrieg in Essen, I think it was released yeah. there or something. And this Roman Roll just recently mm-hmm. arrived to the backers. Yeah. And it seems that it's getting lots of this positive buzz. Yeah, yeah. So you have 13 projects, that's a huge amount, so... <laughs> We probably can expect more good things from BSC, right? Yeah, definitely. I think so. And part of that was a conscious sort of um, decision by the owner, uh, Will. So PSC have been around, I think it's 11 years. And they were yeah. initially known as the, pla- well, they have the Plastic Soldier Company, which make the kind of figures and the historical minis and things like that. Mm. Um but about four or five years ago, Will decided that he wanted to get into more of these kind of boxed board games. Um mm-hmm. And so they did that, and that's where so there's the distinction between Plastic Soldier Company and PSC PSC mm-hmm. Games. So PSC Games is the board game arm of Plastic Soldier Company. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, and um, we have you know there's, we have a good team. Um, we have uh, David Turtsey is in as our games developer, so that's mm-hmm. I mean, he's also a pretty hot designer at the minute. So yeah, that's true. Um, so that really helps. Um, although we're not just doing obviously not just doing his designs, we have uh, other designers that we work with, and he kind of is helping to develop those games and get them to market. So that's actually really good acquire acquirement. <laughs> yeah. He he's a hot guy currently. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, hot and hot, but anyway, <laughs> hot in the hobby. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. people are praising his work, and I like most of his stuff that he's done that I've played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Good. Uh, how about Aircon? That was the convention of doom. <laughs> I was checking that. Are you really going to have it? Are you going to have it? And you had it, and you got people from everywhere. And after yeah. that, you went to lockdown. Did you think even a bit that you shouldn't have it this year? Um, yeah, I mean, we were we were all over the place. So the problem the problem we had here in the UK uh, was that we were waiting on the government basically <laughs> on their yeah. on their decision, um, and so you know all that week, even when we were doing setup and everything, um, we were still just refreshing the news. There was you know, this announcement that they were going to bring out some news at, it was something like 10 o'clock in the morning on the Thursday that we were setting up and it didn't come and Mm. it didn't come and it was about four o'clock in the end and basically nothing happened. They just said, we're just going to carry on as we are. Mm. Um, And so at that point, I think it's hard to think back now for, for a lot of people, I think just how quickly things changed here. And so Mm. it was, you know, even just a week before people were still saying it's not an issue it'll be fine you know yeah. it's it's all under control and it was like it was suddenly ramping up through that week and then carried on into the into the future mm. um the problem we had and the decision we had to make was if we had cancelled without any kind of uh if because there was no restrictions on events it would have been us cancelling and mm-hmm. everything we would have then been liable for everything um, yeah which is, you know, everybody's costs, potentially even guests and visitors and stuff. Mm. So instead, we just tried to focus on, well, let's make this as safe as convention as we can. Um, 
we worked with the convention center on making sure that everything was being sterilized and that there was hand sanitizer everywhere because even at the time there was a hand sanitizer shortage <laughs> in yes, the supermarkets everywhere um and so what they'd had to do uh was actually fix things to the wall so because mm-hmm. uh, because pe- they kept putting bottles out and people kept stealing things like that. <laughs> so they put you know everywhere you went um it was it was as safe as could be. We put up all the advice that there was. We kind of made sure we were putting out on social media, like this is the current, this is how you stay safe. So we Did were. They steal the toilet paper there. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think we were okay at that point. I don't don't think we'd got to the point where toilet paper was short. So, so I think they didn't okay. give some tape or anything in the convention center <laughs> for the toilet paper. <laughs> no, no, I think we were okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, of course we were we were having all these thoughts, but without any support from um, the government or insurance or anything, because we were looking into all of that, um, mm. it was less risk for us to run the event <laughs> and nobody turn up than it was yeah. to cancel it and have to cover all these costs that we just couldn't afford to do. So it was a really tough, <laughs> tough spot to be in. How about at the moment? Would you make the same decision? Uh, I wouldn't run a convention right now, no. Um. <laughs> no, no, I mean that if you uh, have the knowledge you have now, would you still run the convention? I think it went well and there was no yeah uh, this group diseases or something that you didn't get infected, infected yeah, yeah. in huge numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, hard, it's really hard to say because, again, just what we know now compared to what we knew then is so, is so different. Um, mm. I think it it's it's basically the decision we were making was do we want to run it and and risk this thing that we were be that we were being told at the time was not that bad um here in mm-hmm. the UK or do we cancel it and then we never run it again we couldn't have afforded to, to ever do it again if we mm, if we true. if we had cancelled so that's the kind of decision where we were at and um yeah, yeah uh, kind of in a way we were what we were saying was we we either we hope that the government says there's a ban on events which mm-hmm. means that we can cancel and we can we can get some support then from the government um or they say it's okay and they said it was okay it's the you know kind of the worst thing would have been if they had said something like we're going to ban events from next week <laughs> because <laughs> yeah it would have been somewhere in between so so i think we made the decision that we had to had to at the time um mm-hmm. And we just tried to make sure it was as safe and as fun event as it could be, given the circumstances. No, they cancelled the Finland's biggest board gaming convention okay. uh, this week on right. Monday, I think. Okay, it was supposed to be in two weeks. Oh wow! And I was I was telling them that why are you even thinking of doing it? It mm. won't happen. Come on! But they they just wanted to yeah. keep the hope up. Yeah, it would have been in Helsinki. I would have never gone there. Yeah, because yeah. there are lots of people there compared to where I live. Okay. And so many more infections, but I think it's a great decision that they didn't. Yeah, yeah. Hold it. Yeah, I think so. But let's see how long Aircon will be the last convention <laughs> that was <laughs> held during the year. Yeah, yeah, and possibly. Um, and we might be the first again afterwards, uh, which will be kind yeah, of yeah. If we're lucky. If we're lucky, yeah. It's, um, yeah. But this is kind of you know we're sort of talking about we've got a lot more information now we know um we know much more and so Mm. um how we're working it is that we have spoken to the convention center where we where we hold aircon um Mm. 
and we have come up with a really good set of terms with them because they're wanting to work with us. They really value uh, Aircon coming. It's one of their favorite events. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And so uh, basically we're going to get to sort of February time and then that's when we need to make the final call. And so if it's looking like things are okay, then we will plow on and go ahead. If it's still looking like things are, are not so good, then we will just cancel it at that point. We won't. Yeah. So we don't find ourselves in that same situation of having to make that horrible decision. <laughs> yeah, but that's good that you got into agreement with the convention center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw some dates already. When yeah. will you? When did you plan to have the aircon this or next year? Uh, so we're hoping it's going to be the 16th to the 18th of April. So, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so hopefully this hopefully. will be done by then. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. I mean, I think the only way I can see it being done now is if, if you know a vaccine is available or mm-hmm. if for whatever reason the virus runs itself out. I guess which some people are saying might happen. Yeah, or become so mild that yeah. there are no bad symptoms. Yeah, possibly. Um, but yeah, thankfully we have this this sort of get out in February, um, which is far enough away that people could still book their rooms or s- still book their transport if we're able to go ahead or cancel it if they need to if we're not able to run and they've already booked it. So um, how has the year been for you and this changing the job and everything? Do you think you yourself have changed in the process? Yeah, I I certainly think so. Um, so it wasn't just a straight move from one job to the other. Um, when I changed jobs, I kind of, so I finished. It's kind of an interesting thing um, in that I knew that I was finishing my job back in January. So... Mm we had three months notice so I knew that I was finishing in April um mm. and so I was spending obviously a lot of time looking for jobs but it was as everything was getting worse <laughs> yeah best timing <laughs> yeah as everything was getting worse with coronavirus um so I was really struggling to find any other work um <clears throat> and so I kind of got to the first of May and I had no job um and that was kind of a funny situation because I've, I've never been unemployed in my life since mm-hmm. I was 12 I think I got my mm-hmm. first job something like that 12 or 13 um, how did it feel yeah it was kind of it was kind of weird um it was strange not to have like a focus for each day I guess of like mm. this is what you're gonna do today um and so that was kind of odd and also um odd that I, I guess before that uh we my wife and I had you know been fairly equal in terms of household income and things like that and all of Mm. a sudden it's all relying on her um Mm. and so that was yeah that was um something that we had to just sort of work through um but we decided that what i should do is uh use my time to kind of try and get some other qualifications or something like that to help me get a job um Mm. and so i still came up into my office our house um most days and i would um, I was doing a project management qualification. Mm. Um, so I'd done lots of project management in my life, but I didn't have any formal qualifications. So I worked through mm-hmm. that, did the exams online and everything. Um, and sort of just as that was finishing, um, I got an offer of some work with a brewery uh, for a couple mm-hmm. of days a week. And then about a month after that, I got uh, the interview with PSC and then and the job there. So mm-hmm. it wasn't that long, thankfully, in the end. And I just sort of kept myself self busy. Um, but yeah, it was a, it's certainly a different a different time. Uh, have you worked in a brewery earlier, or is it a new 
project again? Um, it's so I've worked in uh, bars and pubs uh, a yeah. lot when I was younger, um, and I have brewed beer, <laughs> not as a job, mm-hmm. but I've I've done it, <laughs> um, and yeah, it was uh, it, you know I was really fortunate that, that came along, um, and it's it's something I'm quite passionate about as well. So um, I'm joking now that you know. That I get to do the two things that I love as my, as my jobs. <laughs> you know, get to <laughs> beer and games. Beer around games and beer. So yeah. Um, so yeah, it's good. I think the the hardest thing now is like that I'm doing both jobs, um, and it's just trying to remember which one I'm in at which part of the day, <laughs> switching between them because it's not like a defined. This day is for the brewery, and this day is for. Um, PSC, it's I, mm. you know, I might do a little bit of brewery work in the morning, then switch to the games, and then mm. a bit more brewery work. So it's just trying to switch my mindset quite quickly from one to the other is the is the challenging bit. But it really suits you then, because you said that you like change and you are up for change, so you are switching to work, and in a way you have to change all the time. So yeah. it should suit you very well, I think. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, I love the variety of it, and I just spend some time making sure that my um my work area is set up for it and even on my computer i set up different profiles for the different jobs mm. so i i'm not seeing that's a good idea actually yeah so i'm not seeing emails pinging from one when i'm supposed to be doing the other it's like i'm concentrating on one thing or the other and i'm just really yeah. sort of try uh, really trying to separate my day out well well that's actually a good idea i never thought that yeah you could do that if you had two separate jobs i would probably just do it one computer yeah That would be difficult. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you expect from the future? Yeah, I think, I think the you know, I, I think we will be quite changed as a society um, mm-hmm. when we come out the end of it. I think initially, I think I was thinking that it would all be over in three months and we'd all just go back to mm-hmm. normal and kind of almost not forget about it, but just kind of be a bit like, ah, oh, that was funny, wasn't it? As though it was like an extraordinarily <laughs> hot summer or something like that. Not funny yeah. is probably the wrong. But hilarious. Yeah, not hilarious. Like <laughs> funny as in a strange situation. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think things have changed now. I think even when you go in stores and you see the plastic screens and stuff, I don't think they will all immediately come down when things are okay again. And I think a lot of them will stay up almost yeah. forever um and probably yeah i think you know i think we will likely see masks hanging around for some people um mm. i think some things will be will take a much longer time to recover like events and and entertainment in general theaters and cinemas yep. um will just really really struggle um mm. and pubs and bars certainly here in the uk i think they will have a harder time bouncing back because mm. I think more people will have discovered that oh, I could just have a drink at home. I don't need to go out. Um, yeah, and so I Because think it's so, so so deep in your culture to go to the pub for a drink. Yeah, definitely. and you can do it at home. Yeah, mm-hmm. that might be a big hit to pubs. Yeah, I think it could be. Um, and this thing of um, so the the culture certainly here where I live is that on a Friday or a Saturday night when you finish work, you would go to your local pub or your local bar for a mm. drink or two and then you would get a train or a bus or taxi into town uh, mm. and then you would spend the rest of the evening there and i think we'll see less of that i think people will stay more local um they will get beers into the house or drinks into the house instead yeah um and so i think this kind of thing of bottle shops and 
off licenses, I think they they will become much more important um, mm-hmm. to people than than pubs and bars, unfortunately. Do you have anything else to add to this part of the discussion, <laughs> or do you want to say something? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, my my general approach to change is just that it will happen, and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, change is inevitable. I think is is the saying. Um, and what I just try and do is always just try and make the best of it, even if it's rubbish and even if it's yeah change that you don't want. I think you try and make the best of it at all times. It's not always easy to do, but I think with practice you can you can do it and you can learn to turn things into good even when they look like they're going to be absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, and And so even with this horrible situation that we find ourselves in now, There has mm. been some good changes come out of it. You know, I speak to my parents much more regularly. I visit my dad, um, which I wasn't really doing a lot before. Um, mm-hmm. And so we just try and focus on those kinds of things. You know, we were really proactive in investing in our kids and making sure we made the most of the time with them because it would be very rare to get that much time with your kids and yeah. not have to work um, or not have to go into an office and stuff. And so that's true. We just try to, you know, acknowledge that there was all this rubbish stuff happening, but at the same time, like, well, what good can we get out of it? What what good is there in this change? And so, that's how I like to try mm. and approach things. Yeah, social distancing from other people, but social closeness with the close people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's actually a good thing. Well said. <laughs> So, to cheer us all up, <laughs> we have been very deep in the corona hole now, but um, you have created a top nine list, yeah. right? And we'll do a little paddle with the lists after the show. Uh, what's the topic that you chose for today's list? So, I went for top nine games that feature food and or drink as their mm-hmm. main theme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how did you make your list? Did um, you do some kind of limitations, or did you disqualify some games for some reasons? Yeah, so I disqualified some where they maybe have food in them, but they're not mm-hmm. like it's it's not the main thing of the game. That food could have quite easily been something else. Um, but mm-hmm. The designer just chose food uh, for that reason. Um, I have disqualified things where. It is maybe food, but it's not food that you could just eat straight <laughs> away. So, like farming, mm-hmm. some farm games mm-hmm. that are maybe about vegetables or raising sheep or something. You can't just mm-hmm. eat a sheep. So, um, <laughs> uh, so I just disqual- <laughs> not anymore at least. <laughs> yeah, certainly. So disqualify games like that. Um, and but it was I did find it hard. I think when I first suggested it, I looked over my shelves. And within the first few shelves that were near me, I kind of went, "Oh yeah, there's at least nine there. This will be fine." But when I actually came to it, I was like, oh, "Actually, this is quite quite hard." <laughs> yeah, I I got seven, and then the last two were like, "How will I limit mine?" <laughs> yeah, I basically limited also uh, where you feed your people. It's oh, yeah. not food game like Cabana mm-hmm. Agricola, La Havre. I threw all of them out. 
my half of my list would have been just Uwe Rosenberg. So I <laughs> also took games where the food is not just one resource or one component, but it's a integral part of the game. Yeah. And I actually ranked the games in order of not what is the best game, but where the food is the most important. Okay. In some strange way, they are not really like that, but <laughs> the more important the food feels to me in the game, yeah. uh, the higher the game is on the list. Yeah. Okay. How how did you rank yours? Did you I've, just put the best one to the top? Yeah, I've just gone with my in order of my favorite games. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> I, I just made the top ninety games of all time list, so I don't want to put the same rank. Uh, okay. Here, so. Yeah, I don't. I wanted to make mix it a bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't do my top tens and top twenties that often, so it was quite hard yeah. even just putting them into a rank. <laughs> do you want to do the numbers? Yeah, Richard, Richard did them last time, so <laughs> he tried to go the Eric Summerer way and oh, sound good. So let's see how you will do. Okay. So you can begin and you can say your game first, and then I say mine. Okay, if it's fun for you. So Erica, er, Erica Summerer, uh, Eric yeah. Summerer, <laughs> Eric Summerer, <laughs> Eric Summerer. <laughs> oh, you can just be creative. Okay, so you want. number nine. Okay, uh. that was actually really good. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. Maybe he's a dappler for his position. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, so my number nine is one that I'm sure a lot of listeners have played. Um, it's Sushi Go. Um, mm-hmm. I really like it. I, it's one that I always take home at Christmas. It's one that I will play at any point. Um, my copy is pretty ragged. I think I might have to get a new one because it's been played so often. You know, all the corners are bashed and dented and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't got Party. Um, mine is just the basic Sushi Go. But I, you know, it's all about sushi. So, <laughs> and it's a, you know super good and quick introduction to drafting. I think it's a really good good way of getting into card drafting. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, my number nine is Viticulture ah. and the Essential Edition. This is not higher because I don't think the wine is necessarily the integral part of the game because you can gain points with many other ways. Okay. There are the foods and also the other things, but I just, I somehow feel that it's, it could be anything else. Okay, Hmm. there's theme and such, but you can do things without doing anything with the food or the drink. That's why this is on the ninth spot. It might be higher otherwise if it was in rank of how good the game is. Although I think the base game is a bit boring. You need to add the expansion. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. Number eight. So my number eight is At the Gates of Loyang. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's, you know what I said at the start about farming and stuff, but I feel like this one gets a pass because a lot of the stuff that you're farming, you can eat straight away. You know, it's radishes and fruits and things. Um, you can't eat them anyway. <laughs> I disqualified it for that reason. It would have been there otherwise. <laughs> um yeah, there's no eating, but it's a lot of food, and I think it's mm. it's one of my favourite Uwe Rosenberg games. I think it's not one of his most popular, but it's one that I really like, yeah. but obviously only at, probably at four players. Um, I think it's really interesting that with the way that you play, that a four-player game takes about the same time as a two-player game, and then a three-player te- game takes longer, which is kind of funny. Um, but I think it's really good. I think there's lots of interesting... Uh, decisions going on and um yeah 
I just really like the card play and I, I love the little veggie bits. <laughs> you like it with four, really? Yeah. Everyone I've talked to have said that it's a two-player game and that's it. Uh, I've only played it in Yukata and we played three and two, okay. I think. It was a good game, but I just thought that it doesn't have enough food. Uh, okay. Because it has more to do with the guests and the stalls yeah. and such, so I thought that maybe it's not. I, but I had to disqualify most of the Uber games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Any, okay. anyway. Fair enough. But I kind of figured, you know, you're fulfilling these orders and the, a lot of it is it is a requirement yeah. on the food. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's, there veggies at least, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Oh, I forgot one game now I remembered. Oh, anyway. <laughs> it's not that much about food. My number eight is Vinios. Okay. And this has all about wine. I've played the earlier version, not the new one. But there are so much other stuff to do also besides the wine. So this is this low otherwise. I've only played this once, this one, but I really want to play it again. Mm. Because it's really, it's much better than it looks. It's this Vitala Soda game, so yeah. it might seem really difficult, but everything goes so well together and everything is tied to each other and if you make not one but maybe three mistakes you are losing the game. Okay. And I really liked that one play that I had and this would be higher if it had everything to do about the wine. Like I said, I ranked it according to how much I feel like the food is important part in the game yeah so on the eight spot vinyas great number seven so seven i've got it's not going to be surprising that beer might feature a bit in my list um so my number seven is home brewers and mm-hmm. so this was a little kickstarter um it kind of weirdly didn't do that well it came uh, from dice hate me games which you know they mm-hmm. usually do pretty well um but it's about you are home brewers of beer. Um, you're brewing beer and um, going through the whole brew process. You then take that beer to kind of beer festivals to try and sell it and move up various tracks to get your beer rated the best in various different categories. Um, and so, yeah, home brewers. It's neat. That I haven't played it, but I've heard things about it that I should try it. It feels like that. Is it the game that has to, like a realistic looking beer uh, glass or something in the oh yeah front okay yeah, yeah it sounded sounded from what you described that it's like vinius but with beer okay and a bit light lighter probably yeah i think it's probably pretty light um the the one thing that kind of puts me off about the game but i can kind of get past it is that your actions are decided by dice um mm-hmm. so you kind of roll three dice and that tells you what actions you can do but you can trade them with other people and so you mm-hmm. can say well i want to go and buy hops so can I trade mm-hmm. my dice with you, and you can, and you can do that, or you can, you can change them in various ways. But like thematically, I'm like, how? What is that? Like, why? If I don't happen to get the dice that lets me go to the, to go and buy hops, like, what mm-hmm. is stopping me from buying hops in real life? It's kind of a weird. Like, that's the only thing I, I kind of find a bit weird with it. But other than that, I, I think it's really, it's very, it is pretty light, but it's it's a lot of fun. All right. My number seven is almost the same as you had at number nine, but mine is Susi Roll. Oh, okay. Because I wrote in the list Susi Roll or Susi Go. I haven't played the party. I think I saw the party being played two weeks ago, and it looked very good. 
Yeah. Susiko is probably the best game to teach drafting to new players. It's much better than Seven Wonders for that. Yeah, definitely. And Susi Roll makes it the game more strategic. Have you played the role? I've not played role. No, I have okay. heard good things about it. Though. Uh, the good thing is that because you roll all the dice in the beginning, and in the beginning of the round you can see what is coming to you, so you can really strategize better than in Susi Go. Because you don't know what is coming, but there you know. I I like it's a bit deeper and a bit more difficult, but it's so easy to teach and play and everything. And yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's just nice because the dice move on a on this trays. What is it called? This belt that is in the sushi restaurant. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. This conveyor belt. Yeah. It's on that, and the dice move around, and then they move the other direction, and it's it's really well done. Cool. From the sushi go. In my opinion, great. Number six. Uh, so my number six is another farming game, but again, it's you're farming stuff that you can eat straight away. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to deliver them. It's kind of abstract. Um, it's Heartland. Uh, so mm-hmm. haven't played this. Yeah. So it's uh, it's kind of funny. I think it didn't do that well because the cover looks really, really boring. It's just like a farmer <laughs> stood next to his tractor with a, some crops and a barn in the background it's like really really dull but the game itself is really mean <laughs> so you're you're basically you're trying to uh create these fields of different crops and then get them as big as you can so you can harvest them um but other people are able to lay tiles over the ones that you've laid and kind of split these fields up and it's really actually quite mean but it plays really quickly it got uh maybe this should have been lower in terms of the food bit of it because mm-hmm. it got rethemed as gunky mono i think um mm-hmm. uh, which is nothing to do with food um <laughs> i think that's creating territories in feudal japan or something mm. um but is there space between gun and kimono uh Yes. That was a very bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> if it's gone, kimono. Then it's, uh, anyway. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Um, yeah, so uh, so there is food in it, and you're, you know, the, the idea is that you're harvesting it to sell it, and that's how you get your points. So I kind of figured there is some food there. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's a good game if you can find it. Oh, the gun kimono? Yeah. I think. That. I've not played that one. Um, I don't know how different it is. But. Okay, I haven't played it either. But I have heard that it's okay game or fine. Yeah. I think one of the things that is good about Heartland is that it looks quite innocent and the theme of mm-hmm. it is quite innocent. I think if you knew that you were going into a mean game, it's just like, hey, it's just another <laughs> mean game. But with Heartland, you kind of feel like you're going into a nice farmy game and it turns out to be mean, but not in a bad way. <laughs> so <laughs> It's like estates. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number six is clans of caledonia i thought that i will disqualify this but then right before this because i had seven games <laughs> ready and I, I took this off the list and then i was thinking that what will i take and why not clans of caledonia then i thought that okay everything is food you you are making whiskey you're making bread you're making cheese you're making yeah. milk and you're uh, exporting all of them and you're using them as resource and Okay, it's about food. It has to be about food. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, Clans of Caledonia is because most of the resources are about food. Cool. And it, have you played this? No, again, it's what I keep seeing and keep wanting to play, just never had the chance so far. The board game arena implementation is really good. Okay. It's really good. 
of this game. It's almost better than the board game <laughs> version. But it's basically you have a map and there's lakes and rivers and you are a Scottish clan and you're trying to spread yourself across the all area and in the corners you get bonuses and you pay money to build things and then the things that you build every round they give you some resources and there's a market board you can sell things and buy things and it's really really well done some people say that it's like terra mystica light but it's not really that there's the neighboring bonus if you build next to someone's cheese factory or what is it cheese place Uh, then you can buy cheese with a discount. If you build next to a cow, then you can milk the cow with a discount. Yeah. So, but but it's really really good game. Cool. I like it at all player counts. It's a great game. It would be higher if it was ranked according to the <laughs> to the quality of the game. But yeah. this is according to the importance <laughs> of food. Fair enough. Number five. Uh, I've got more beer for number five, but this is beer and mm-hmm. monks. So this is heaven and ale, mm-hmm. um, which is quite an abstract game, really. But it is all about beer and monks brewing beer and selling that beer. So, um, one I absolutely love Belgian beer. Um, I would say probably one of the best brewing nations in the world. Um, and the kind of whole thing with Trappist monks is really interesting about these monks that brew beer in their monasteries. And it's some of the best beer in the world. Um, so mm-hmm. um, it's just really, really clever. And I also really like games that have rondelles. Um, and this has it, um, you know. And um, so you're kind of moving around a rondelle track to do different actions. You're then building around your monastery and you're, you know, planting crops or you're putting um, monks out to go and get those crops and to give you various bonuses and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really clever and it has this really neat, scoring mechanism that you're actually moving up five counters up your scoring track uh, i think five maybe six um yeah it's five counters and then your monk is uh, your brewer um mm. yeah so and then at the end of the game you're kind of almost averaging your points in a really interesting way and then wherever mm-hmm. you end up is is where you you know how you score so yeah i think i find it really interesting and and really just a very clever game i think Mm. The monks in Finland they make wine. Oh, okay. They don't make beer. <laughs> yeah. At least the monastery close to us. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's only one monastery in Finland actually, but it's close to us, like 80 kilometers. They make wine. They make really good wine actually. Yeah. They make honey and everything else, but they don't make beer. Oh, If they're made, I would go and buy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the you know is this thing with a lot of those those monasteries they the beer is obviously a, a focus for them, but they do bread and cheese yeah and, of course um also honey is obviously a common one as well so mm. yeah so it's good all right my my number five is something very different from the joyful monks it's robinson <laughs> crusoe okay and and the food there okay it's just a component but it's so important component <laughs> in the game because you never have it enough if you have it too much it will rot oh, okay. um, uh, i mean if you have these bananas and you don't make it as a canned food if you make it into a food that stays then it stays but if it's in banana form you eat it or you lose it right <laughs> but if you can make it into canned food then it stays longer and it's so crucial part of the game and surviving in the game that that's why it's on the list hmm. Although I said that if it's just a component, but here it's too important component. And it's not just feeding your people like in, let's say, Agricola. Yeah. Here you have to get it. 
Sounds good. And you can get it in many different ways and in different forms from all the tiles and everything. Have you played Robinson Crusoe? No, not what I've played. Um, uh, again, no, no particular reason why I haven't played it. I think, you know, it, good things about it all the time. It sounds very mean. Mm. I think that's the... It's really difficult. <laughs> it's really difficult. Yeah. I mean, people say that, yeah, yeah, I, I, I beat all the levels. No, you haven't. That cheating. <laughs> <laughs> or they then they played it so many times because it's a bit random. Okay. I mean, no matter how well you do, you can just... There is this adventure card mechanism or this card mechanism that I really like that let's say that you go on an adventure mm. and the card says you don't read the whole card, you read the up, upper part of the card. And it might say that you find a bush, it has nice red berries. What do you do? Yeah. Then you choose if you eat them or if you just walk by. If you eat them, you put the card to the deck. Okay. And when it comes from the event deck, it might say that you've been poisoned, lose <laughs> five health. Oh, what? And uh, and there are many cards like this. Some might give you a, a plus bonus later, or might give something positive. Some give negative, but you don't know what it is before you've seen that card. So we're actually playing. If we're playing with the wife, I'm doing so that I take the cards away that we've seen or used, oh, okay. so that we don't see them again until we go through all the decks. Maybe someone thinks that it's cheating, but it's not cheating. Yeah. In my opinion, I just want to see the new things. Yeah. yeah. We haven't played it for a while, but when we played it last time, we played it four times in a row wow. and didn't win even once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we were a bit masochist <laughs> that time, but yeah, it's a great game in my opinion. Yeah, good, good. Number four. Uh, so uh, just looking at my list, it's all farms and drink. Uh, so this is Cinque Terre. Um, which mm-hmm. is a nice pick up and deliver game, um, but you, um, it's really interesting where you're kind of uh, you've got a little truck. You're going out to farms on one side of the board, picking up fruit and veg in various combinations, and then bringing it back round to the village, the five villages, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which is an actual place in Italy, in northern Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can only go round the path in one direction, which is again is actually thematic because that's what they've had to do there because there's so much traffic their mm. um tourist traffic that they've had to make it so you can only go in one direction um <laughs> and mm. but yeah you're you're picking up fruit and veg from the farms you're delivering it to the, the various towns to fulfill orders and um the, the what you're picking up is little crates of the food um mm. the annoying thing was with the original game you couldn't actually fit those crates on your little truck um but I, i've got something off etsy or something where it's like a little thing that clips on that means you can actually put these little crates on the back of your truck as they travel around um mm-hmm. but it's a really really good game um it's one for some reason it's just not that widely available um but kind of almost everyone that i play with then goes on a hunt for it somewhere because um they just really love it um again it's a game that it seems quite simple when you first look at it um, and the art is all very vibrant and very colourful, but it actually it's usually about two or three turns into the someone's first game of playing it, they kind of realise, oh actually this is a lot deeper and there's like a lot more decisions that I need to uh, set myself up for here <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just a lot of depth to it, it's a really a really good game mm-hmm. uh, Which one found it first, you or Mike Delisio? Um I don't know actually, because I think we both already knew about it ah, okay. before we knew each other. Um, and so I think it was just as we 
uh, we suddenly discovered that we had this love of it <laughs> separately. No, I really want to try this because now you're also praising it, and it it really seems very interesting to play at least once. Yeah, definitely. I haven't even seen it. I mean, it's it's pure pick up and deliver. If you don't like pick up and deliver, you probably I I like you probably wouldn't like it. But um, yeah, you kind of have various different orders, uh, but the way you get the orders is 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 kind of interesting because when you f- fulfill a public one, you can then mm. choose to take. A secret one um, that then no one can see mm-hmm. what you're trying to do. Um, so yeah, it's it's really interesting. There is a Tabletopia version of it that's pretty good. Um, well, I'm not going to touch Tabletopia. <laughs> it looks too clunky. <laughs> yeah. e- even Tabletop Simulator is at the border for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's okay. I mean, it's not. Thankfully, it's the game is not too complicated, so it's okay. It's just mm. Tabletopia itself is a bit buggy. Yeah, so. that's what I've heard. Yeah. I'm not going to touch. <laughs> But let's see. It's difficult to get it get it from Finland, I'm sure. But yeah. Maybe from somewhere. Maybe in Geek Market they have. Maybe I think it's it's been pretty hard. Um, you kind of don't see it for sale a lot. So and like mm. for whatever reason, Rio Grande haven't reprinted it. So, um, so I think it's just quite hard to get. Uh, my number four is uh, Feast for Odin. Okay. So. This, I was disqualifying this as well. This is the second addition to the list. I thought that I'm not putting this because I'm not putting the other Uves games either. But this game is quite a lot about food. Mm-hmm. There are so many food items and there's drinks and everything. And yeah, you feed your people, but you feed them in a different way. And you can use the foods for other things also. Yeah. And there are veggies and meats and everything. So it's very big part of the game. So it would have been unfair to disqualify this. Yeah. And if this was order of how good the game is, this would be number one. But as it's not, then it's not number one. It would be higher, but there are other parts of the game also that are important, like these loots and okay. other items. And basically, you are managing a Viking clan and you're trying to fulfill your island with different items taken from the raids from England and yeah I can't make this thematic <laughs> anyway you put this polyominoes into your island and try to avoid negative points at the end of the game and you can go to other islands and you can do something like 60 different things in the game yeah and the expansion is really good it fixes everything in the game that I didn't even know were broken <laughs> but the the expansion the Norwegians makes it a perfect game really cool a perfect game especially with two people yeah yeah that sounds great. Another one I've not played, unfortunately. Um, you should try it if possible because it, yeah, yeah. it's really, really good. It's not as difficult as it looks. There's just millions of options, but if you play with the expansion, yeah. then it a bit reduces them. It takes the useless options away, yeah. so you have less to choose from, and all of them are good. Ah, okay. Very good. Number three. Uh, so I think this might be our first crossover, uh, unless it counts Sushi Go. I don't know. I can't Susie go because I had both of them. Okay, list. fair enough. Uh, but my number three then is Viticulture Essential Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard that argument that you kind of said that it could be rethemed as anything, but I think, I think I do think it's quite an important part of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think people like you know sometimes they might just say that it could be rethemed as anything, but as soon as you start going into that, and it's like, well, actually, no, the wine tasting and the giving visitors tours and things like that is actually quite a unique thing to to um, mm. to vineyards and stuff and and kind of all the different grapes again that's quite unusual because most other if it's drinks or food that it's like lots of different ingredients it's not just 
different types of the same ingredient. Mm. And so I think I think it is important that it's wine um, and even like the aging of it and things like that is all is all pretty well tied in. Um, but I love I love viticulture is probably my favorite Stoma game. Maybe Euphoria might be my favorite, but out of those, I really need to play Euphoria. Yeah, it's great. I want to play that. Uh, it's great. I think. Um, I think there's some things in it that people don't like, and if you don't like that, you won't like the game. But I really, really like it, and have played it so many times now that we played an online version of it, and we managed. It's I think it's supposed to be like a ninety-minute to two-hour game, and we managed mm. we managed the game in sort of forty-five minutes. So, where where did you play it online? Uh, tabletop Simulator, I think. Okay. Um, but it was the official, like the official Stonemaier one. It wasn't like a yeah yeah one that someone had built. So. Okay. It all kind of worked pretty smoothly. Um, so yeah, but Viticulture I love again with the expansion where you're adding in cheese and some various other bits. I think it's, I think it's very very good. Did you try the uh, digital version? No, I don't think I have actually. They released the app in the summer, oh, okay. and they sent sent me a review copy of the app. Okay. I still didn't finish a full game ah. because I have problems with the user interface. Ah, okay. I, I didn't like it that much. Yeah, but, I don't. But it seems like a good app game, okay. actually. I think it would work as an app. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I like. I don't play loads of app games anyway. I think for mm. me, um, which is one of the reasons why I started convention gaming, for me is all about the social side of it. So yes, um, I obviously I love the games themselves, but it's for me it's the it's they're the the lubricant for the social uh, interaction that I'm having. Mm. I've never played online games. I mean, in Board Game Arena, I made the account years ago, but I bought the premium account now because of Corona, and okay. I've been playing there a lot. Yeah, okay. Because can't can't play otherwise. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's not possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but I wouldn't play. I'm not going to play, probably. Or maybe I will some games. But now I, I have so many heavy games on at the moment, I want to have a little break. Now, when they finish, I'm not starting heavy games. <laughs> yeah. Too, too many heavy games at once. <laughs> Makes sense. They take so long. <laughs> so my number three is Food Chain Magnate. Ah. This doesn't have all about food. The, my last two games are all about food. This has about economy, but yeah. um, I really like this because you can make these different chains and you can make these different strategies in there that you can go this route or this route. And I haven't played this with anyone who is really good at the game. Okay. If I did, maybe I would not play with them again <laughs> because, because they know this. It seems that there are some strategies that you follow this line, you follow this line. I hate reading strategy cards from somewhere. Mm. I've done it a few times with board games that I see some strategy somewhere and then I don't want to play the game again. I want to experience and find the strategies myself. I'm a bit stubborn with that. It happened to me so many times with some video games yeah. earlier, especially that I read that this is so difficult. What will I do? I checked from somewhere, and not even online, but from some magazine at that time when I was playing Nintendo games. And then I saw it and I went through that spot. And then I didn't want to play the game again. It happened to me with uh, Legend of Zelda 2 Link something that was a ridiculously difficult game by the way yeah. <laughs> but I quit playing after I figured out how to go what past one spot and I've never gone back to that game Okay. so I have th this kind of stubbornness and oddity that if I 
see a strategy from somewhere. I'm not touching them anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. done. So I want to stay away from this food chain, magnet, strategy cards and everything. <laughs> Makes sense. But yeah, basically you try to make a food chain, <laughs> like a red chain, <laughs> restaurant, and you try to sell people what they don't want to buy. And you do it by marketing the best and selling the cheapest. So they will buy whatever you tell them to buy. Yeah. Basic American culture <laughs> at the time, even maybe nowadays also. Yeah. Cool. There's uh, another one I've not played. I think though for that I'm put off by the by the look of it. <laughs> it it looks really good. I, I really love the looks. Okay. And it's it works well. I mean the map tiles look stupid, but if they looked more flashy it would make it slower okay because now now you immediately see the distances and you can see this is there this is there this is there it's made so clear that it doesn't add playing time if they made it fancy looking it would add at least half an hour right. <laughs> to okay. the play time fair enough so that's it's the same with 18xx games that they have to be quick to understand otherwise it's really difficult yeah yeah makes sense but i understand what you're saying about the looks yeah i think i've only ever seen pictures of it and all you ever see mm. are those map tiles, and it's like it always kind of yeah. looks like a um, a prototype. Um. Yeah, it does if you only look like that. But when you play it, you understand why it's like that. Fair enough. Cool. Uh, number two. Say so my number two. I think I'm quite comfortable with this one being all about food, um, which is Scoville. Um, so mm-hmm. a game where you have guys going around um, picking chilies and then you can blend those chilies and you're either trying to cook them into chilies um and make recipes or you can uh get points from selling them or or various different things um but yeah really interesting lots of kind of pretty interesting mechanics that i've not really seen in many other games um it looks really really nice and the little chili pieces are really really cool they've got um Mm. nine different types of chili in the uh, ten different types of chili in the game um, and you can combine them in lots of different ways, and you have these like little festivals and cook-offs and and various different things. So mm-hmm. it's very fun. I feel like so I'm quite a big TMG fan, and I feel like this might have been my first TMG game that I picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, it says it plays up six. I probably wouldn't play it with more than four because it just drags out a bit. But um, but at that kind of three four player count, it's it's a really really excellent game. Mm. I saw some discussions on this in Finland when it was released, but I ne- after that I've never seen it anywhere. I don't know anyone who owns it, but <laughs> I want to try this a lot. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good fun. There was a friend of friend of mine who was planning to buy this, but didn't, and I'm a bit sad that he didn't, <laughs> because now I don't know where to get it. And uh, okay. I don't know if I want it, but I want to try it, because it looks so interesting with all the chilies and everything, yeah, yeah. and it looks so colorful and nice. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, even just the way you kind of move a farmer around the field, but like even the way they move is quite interesting. And you kind of, there's just lots of different things going on. And it's got a pretty cool little expansion, which um, uh, is just like a little lab thing where you have your own little place where you can breed chilies. <laughs> so it's, it's, <laughs> Genetically modified. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Good for your health. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And my number two is our third crossover, I think, and this is Heaven and Air. Oh, okay. <laughs> and because it's only about the beer, yeah, and yeah. I was thinking about this, and at the end you make the beer yeah. by doing... The, I really love this scoring system that you have, that 
whatever is the furthest you put uh, back and then whatever is the back you put forward yeah. and I, I really like and also this scoring mechanism during the uh, game where you have these purple tiles mm. I mean these purple discs that you might or might not get yeah. depending on the other players it's so fantastic how the rondel works in this game I really like it I would play this at any time at the moment I haven't played it for a, almost a year oh. And I'm so much itching to play it. Yeah, and they just did an expansion fairly recently, I think in the last six months or so. Yeah, in Essen they released yeah, it. Kegs and more or something. Uh, yeah, I bought it from there, but if I've understood right, it's not that much of an expansion. I think it makes the game more convoluted or somehow more difficult. Oh, okay. I have it, I haven't played with it, okay. but I will play with it next time when I play the game. But this is a fantastic game. I really like it for all the reasons you said, and even the... This disc mechanism, it's so good because yeah. you someone can just snatch the disc, but you might have to go half around. Yeah. I mean, you might go half around to get that disc that you really want yeah. to get the scoring because you can then take the bonus from the card. And it's so fantastic. I really, really like the game. Yeah, it's really, really good. All right. Number one. Do we have to do the little bomb thing? Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> 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 ah, you, you you went all in. <laughs> um, so probably not surprising. My number one is a beer game, uh, and it's Brewcrafters. And so mm-hmm. this is uh, Dice Hate Me as well. So this was the big beer game they did quite a few years ago now, which is basically Agricola but with beer. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but obviously the whole thing is around beer rather than a farm or whatever. Um, mm. Uh, and then Homebrewers, which I mentioned earlier, is the same designer, um, but obviously Homebrewers is a lot lighter. Um, but Brewcraft is a really, really interesting game. Is you're kind of you're almost like managing a brewery, um, and you're trying to you're, you're buying all the various ingredients, uh, trying to brew lots of different beers. There's so many different beers in the game that you could brew. You kind of only put out nine each each game, but uh, so many combinations of it. Um, and yeah, and there's kind of just all these different places that you go to, um, but you're kind of blocking each other out. But the, each round is in two phases, where the first bit is you're going out and getting all your stuff, and then the second bit is you're just doing stuff within your brewery. You're either brewing beer or um, uh, kind of improving your brewery, various different things like mm-hmm. that. And so, yeah, it's just really, really cool. Like You can add a little tap room onto your brewery so people can actually come there and drink beer at your brewery. Um like there's just lots of different there's lots of different paths to victory as well I think which is why I really like because it's just so much variety in the game like I said there's you have the all the different beers which will change what kind of ingredients you're going after you have all the different buildings that you can build within your brewery all the different rooms that you can build and you don't you I don't think I've ever seen anyone build all of them in one game but Mm-hmm. certain ones will send you down different routes and you have different experts that you can hire um, they change every game so yeah there's just loads going on with a game that it can be changed and um, it's obviously about craft beer so I love it <laughs> I haven't played this either was this the game that the setup takes longer than the game? Uh, maybe, I don't think so it does take a while <laughs> just because there's so many bits um, yeah yeah okay but I think once you've kind of in the swing of it you, you can do it pretty quickly um i think yeah i think if you if you know what you're doing you can play a game in two hours i think for your first couple of games you're probably looking at about three hours so okay 
I, I want to try this again. I mean, this is one game again. Your list is half. <laughs> one, two, three, four. You have four games on the list that I want to try. <laughs> <laughs> then this is one if someone else sets it up. Yeah. Then I can try it. Yeah. Um, my number one is from 1989. Wow. So it's a bit old game. Uh, it's a la carte. Oh, yeah. Have you played this? No, like I've, I've seen it played, but I've not played it myself. Yeah. Yeah, this cool. is all about food. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing else than the food. Everyone has this metal frying pan where they have a <laughs> food cooking <laughs> and then you try to put the correct ingredients from a plastic puddle by one swing of the wrist. <laughs> and you, you have pepper and you have some leaves and paprika and you have salt and lemon, I think. Yeah. And salt is like one is fine, but if you put too much, it becomes too salty and is ruined. And you have have this stove, you have to put it to the correct heat and turn the heat, and then you cook the food, and then you go to the next food and everything. And I just love how the game looks, and it's not the best game, <laughs> definitely not the best game. But when whenever you're done with all the foods, one food of each type, then you can take the crepe and you try can try to flip the crepe with the frying pan <laughs> and it's really difficult because it has very high borders or edges yeah. the frying pan and it's really difficult <laughs> I'm, i mean we were playing with the with the daughter with this frying pan and we were just throwing the crepe and trying to, <laughs> trying to <laughs> make it flip properly i mean we played this not correctly of course not competitive but semi-competitive yeah. with her or and she was three and half when we played it oh. it says eight, eight plus but <laughs> if you don't make the kid read anything then it's fine if you read the things for yeah. them and this has really good artwork it has this like for example um, it has a Cuban breakfast and that Cuban breakfast is a huge cigar and a coffee <laughs> and then and I have this picture here that I'm trying to look and then there is oxtail au naturel and it's just a cut <laughs> bull's tail and then there is slasher spaghetti, it comes with an axe and I mean the artwork is really good in this yeah. and one of the most uh, valuable this, this, uh, foods in here is elephant's trunk in spinach, spinach dressing and it's also just trunk of an elephant <laughs> this is Cog Ovan is drunken ah. rooster. <laughs> so so this is this is it's really funny game. Yeah. Sounds good. Not the best game. <laughs> but but most about the food in my list at least, because there's nothing but the food. Yeah, yeah. If you have a chance to try it, you should try it at least once. Yeah, yeah. Even if you suck at dexterity, <laughs> you should still try it once. Sounds good. Just for the fun, not to win it. It's difficult to do something you know, with a plan here. Yeah, yeah. That sounds fun, though. So those were the lists. What do you think of your chances of winning the battle? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I've maybe got some better games, but not as... I think yours is probably closer to being food and drinky. Maybe. Do you mean better games? Come on. <laughs> you haven't played half of mine. That's I haven't true. played half of yours. That's true. <laughs> so <laughs> we said three and... A few that <laughs> we don't like. No, actually, I like all the games that you listed that yeah. I have played. Maybe it's you know yeah. if I might get in with the the people that like beer because obviously like half of my list almost was beer games. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I'll get all the heavy gamers with food and my oh, face for all Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. I'll I'll put the list up a bit after this episode comes out. So Great. they have to listen first, and then they can vote. <laughs> Great. I'm, I'm not telling the list before. <laughs> It was great having you. Yeah, thank you. It's good to chat. It took a bit over uh, an hour, but I guess it's fine. <laughs> good. So, do you want to say anything? Do you want to add anything? No, I think you know it's it's good to chat through these things, and I think it's good to good to reflect on them. Um, and yeah, just don't be scared of change. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find you if they want to find you? Uh, if you want to find Aircon, it's Air with an E, so A-I-R-E-C-O-N, um, .co.uk, um, PSC Games, just probably Google it. It's probably the easiest way. <laughs> <laughs> Plastic Soldier Company. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, or I'm on Facebook. Just come and find me. Yes, thank you, no and bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. You can find this podcast from SoundCloud, with username Mita Pelataan. You can also find the podcast from Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Should be in Amazon Podcasts also at some point. And it should be found anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can find me from Instagram and Twitter with username Mita Pelataan. There's a page in Facebook, Mita Pelata. And you can just search by Mita Pelataan and you should find me from many places. I have a blog, mitapelatan.wordpress.com, where you can find information about this channel and all the links to related media. You should be able to find me from YouTube as well by searching mitapelatan. You can send me email to mitapelatan at gmail.com. There's also a guild in Boardgame Geek number 3321. Interact in any way you can, comment anything up to you, but interact with me please. And If you listened this far, please leave a review, subscribe so that people find out about this podcast. And one more time, thank you for listening and bye bye. The music used in this series was Nightwalker by Sensant Pulse. Thank you for that.